All right, Huli, we're glad you're here. We like what you're doing, documenting everything for us, and uh, we appreciate you going back through it, through your notes and everything else. I have to tell you, we're a little anxious about this other survivor. So if you could get to that uh, today, we really appreciate it. Think you can do that? All right, I'll get to that. I'll All right. Talk. I walked toward the trooper's bloated body, trying to find the car keys and thinking about taking his weapon. I sighed in relief when I saw the shotgun lying on the ground next to his leg, probably where he had dropped it. Grass was already growing up over the stock and barrel. I picked it up and checked the action the way my uncle had taught me. Uncle Bill started taking me to the skeet shooting range, so the weapon was pretty familiar. I also knew it was no joke. He was all the time telling me how nasty shotguns were and how you couldn't fool around with with them, and how anyone who fooled around with them either got shot or shot someone else. I believed him. Shells were chambered, but I decided I needed to look around the patrol car for some more. But first I held my breath and walked over to the trooper's body, trying to take the pistol from the holster. It sounds weird, but it isn't easy to do since they are made so people can't just walk up and do that. Uncle Bill told me you really have to be wearing the holster in order to draw it. I messed around until it meant standing there and breathing in the smell from the dead body or stepping away. I stepped away and took a deep breath, hoping the stench wasn't following me. It did, but I got some fresh air with it. I decided then I wasn't messing with the body anymore. I'd have to rely on the shotgun for defense and forget about the handgun. I also dismissed any hopes of finding keys to his patrol car. With the car, I could get to Harrisburg in 20 minutes from where I was. Maybe a little more since I'd have to go slower to watch out for parked cars. Thing was, I didn't even know how to drive. So that was all just wishful thinking since I'd have to practice on the way. I'd watch Mom drive, and sometimes Uncle Bill would show me how he drove the stick shift on his Jeep. Back in the patrol car, I poked around for more shotgun shells, but couldn't find any. My head and shoulders deep in the truck as I, trunk as I searched. A loud snuffling from behind scared the crap out of me, and I was sure a black bear had wandered out of the woods. Familiar whimpering calmed me down quick, and I turned around to see the dog again, looking bigger than earlier. His head was pretty much level with my chest, and I'm over five feet tall. He was a beast. I could see that now. He whimpered again and nuzzled my chest. What is it, boy? I asked, suddenly reminded again of how alone we were and how close it was to sunset. I still didn't even know where I was going to sleep, cursing myself for leaving home so late in the day. The dog whimpered again and hopped around like he wanted me to come with him. I followed him when he trotted away from the median and up onto the highway. His impossibly long legs, more like a horse than a dog. He turned to look north on the highway and I followed his gaze. Three or four people coming were coming our way, maybe the distance of a football field from where we were standing. People, huh? I said, petting his head. He whimpered again, louder than before. I took a step toward the group down the road. Let's go see who they are, I told him, eager to talk to someone, hoping for news. But the dog barked and headed in the opposite direction, all skittish, looking at me, then at the group. Then back at me, and back again in the opposite direction, heading south where I had just come. Even I could tell he wanted me to follow him away from the people. That would mean heading south back toward home and away from where I hoped to find Mom. I also wanted to find out what I could do from anyone I could talk to. The first shot was totally unexpected and louder than I thought it would be. Since I'd never been shot at, I had no idea. I ducked and followed the dog, who was now running off the road and onto the shoulder of the interstate. Seconds later, he disappeared in the woods as shots came fast, kicking up gravel around me and whizzing past my head. I guessed it was an automatic weapon or maybe three or four guys shooting fast. 
Lack of light must have helped me unless they weren't good shots. The shooting stopped once I disappeared into the woods under the thick leaves and branches of maples, oaks, and walnuts. It got dark real fast. I heard the dog breathing before I saw him. He got close and nuzzled my hand. How did you know they were bad guys? I asked him, reaching up to scratch his ear, which was near my shoulder. He whimpered softly and pushed my hand with his muzzle, his fur still wet from drinking a two-liter bottle of water. He started to move ahead, and as my eyes adjusted to the gloom, I could barely see enough to follow him. I thought I heard a low murmur coming from the highway, so I moved faster toward the dog, afraid to think of what would happen if they followed me into the woods. Worse still, I was afraid to one. I was afraid to wonder what they why they started shooting at me in the first place. The dog trotted on, staying ten or fifteen feet ahead of me with an easy lope, looking back every so often to make sure I was there. I followed him since he seemed to know where he was going, and he had basically saved my life. I figured it was the best plan I had. Plus, the guys with the guns were behind me. I stopped for a few seconds and held my breath, willing my heart to quiet at something as I listened for the shooters behind me. But I couldn't hear anything until a twig snapped. I told myself to keep going and not look back. Anyway, unless they had thermal imaging scopes, they couldn't get a good shot off in the darkness. I started breathing heavier as the ground began to rise. Soon it became steep, and I grabbed trees to help keep me going uphill. Once, I slipped on a rock and sent a small rock slide, cascading down the hillside. Seconds later, I heard lots of murmuring and branches snapping, and I knew they were behind me, maybe only 50 or 60 feet further down the slope, way closer than I thought possible since I had tried to put a lot of distance between myself and the highway, moving southly all the while. To make matters worse, I had no idea where the dog had gone. I closed my eyes in despair, tried to think of what to do next. Sit down and hide, keep going in the direction I had been going, or choose a new path since I had given away my location. Just then, something furry and wet touched my neck. I felt hot breath and knew my heart would stop right there. A certain Bigfoot had found me. At the same time, I wanted to scream in absolute terror, but I, what I really wanted to do was yell, What is your freaking problem scaring the crap out of me? The dog had snuck, snuck up on me silently. He turned away, and I eagerly followed him, ne never so happy to be so scared to death. We made good time and moved without making a sound. He was trotting faster now, and so was I, trying to keep up with his long giraffe-like gait. In minutes, we had left the forest somewhere in a cornfield. The plants were only inches high, and I could step on either side of the rows without touching them. I figured that's the least I could do since I was trespassing on someone's property. It felt good to think beyond myself when no one else was watching, even with armed lunatics tracking me. I could see the dog ahead, waiting for me at the end of the field where thick grass began. In the distance loomed the dark outline of a building. The dog turned and continued his trot, panning a little now. My eyes had adjusted to the darkness of the woods so much that I felt I could see everything as if it were high noon. Running fast, I followed, terrified to look back, certain they were closing on me. Soon, I could make out the shape of the building as its shingle roof and windows became a two-story house. I didn't know what happened when my hands and chest hit the ground, but a second later, I realized I had fallen into a small hole in the lawn and was lying prone, just as another shot was fired above my head. Falling may have saved my life, and I wasn't about to stand up and run, so I rolled to the left a few times and low-crawled on my elbows and knees until I got tired. I was about to leave the shotgun on the ground, but thought better of it. Instead, I got up and ran like my life depended on it, which it did, the weight of the pack and shotgun making it tough to keep going fast. Without thinking, I ran toward the sound of the dog barking, a big, low bark followed by a higher-pitched, desperate kind of barking a few seconds later. I saw him coming at me, looking like a huge wolf about to rip my throat off. 
I knew then he would eat me. But in a flash, he was past me, snarling and bounding like a lioness when chasing its prey. Piss! Over here! I heard a voice say, coming from somewhere near the side of the house. It sounded like a kid, or I think my heart would have stopped right there. I ran to it because I had no other choices. I saw a figure standing in a doorway, backlit by a weak light coming from inside the house. I ran past it, straight through the open door and into the house. I turned around and saw the kids shutting the door. In the distance, I heard angry barking. Wait, I said, breathing heavily. The dog is still out there. Yeah, and now we're in here and we need to close the door, the kid said sharply. But he's my dog and he saved my life. Crack! Another shot fired and the kid slammed the door without a word, turning the dead bolt and burying the door with a wood 2 by 6 that he dropped into two brackets on either side of the door. In the low light, I could see he was dark-skinned and looked like he had been lifting weights. Then, right outside the door, I heard the familiar whimpering, and I moved to the door without thinking about it. What do you think you're doing? The kid asked. We need to let him in now before they kill him. Besides, we can use a big dog on our side for a lot of reasons, I said. The kid eyed me, pushing his black black glasses up on his nose before pulling the 2 by 6 back out. This is crazy, he said, turning the dead bull and opening the door a few inches. Apparently, it was all the dog needed because he burst through, blowing the door wide open and setting the kid reeling backward. The dog came up to me, looking at me for an extra beat, which was, tired be which was weird because we were nearly eye to eye. I nearly peed my pants when he jumped up and put his paws on my chest so that I had to square myself as I scratched his poor legs. He eyed me again and dropped his head. I saw the tongue coming out to lick my face, and I turned in time to have the side of my head licked. I heard the door slam and looked over to see the kid dropping the big 2 by 6 back into place. He, he stepped to a big workbench and grabbed the battery-operated camping light and clicked off the light. We better go upstairs and take the high ground. I don't want to be here when they come when they come looking for you. <sighs> I'm tired. It's been a long day. I'll tell you I'll tell you more about Xavier tomorrow.